Welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, the voice of the new universe. We're your hosts, Andy with Justice Number 12 and Stephen with DP7 Number 12. Started in 1986, the new universe was an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and reasonably-ish realistic technology, physics, astronomy, and biology. Eight new comic series launched in one month set in our world in 1986-7. to Now as we close out the first year, the world still largely doesn't know about paranormals, except for a few secret agencies, basically the CIA. With our podcast, you can follow along with us each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack, or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. We are also available at our website, uh, kickersinc.com. And while you're there, you can check out the Remnants of the Super Sleuth Sweepstakes, that's still available. Test your trivia knowledge and win a prize. And we're still um, promising a new version of that with trivia based on the later in the first uh, year of the new universe that will have live, not too distant future. Two-thirds complete, I think. Ah, there we go. Progress is being made. We have a Twitter account at Kickers Inc. Our Twitter account at Kickers Inc. is a great place to uh, find out about upcoming episodes and get notifications. And we would also like to give a shout out to our friends over at the Marvel Comics New Universe fans Facebook fan page, who are not, which is not run by us, but they are friends of the podcast and great supporters. Yeah. And uh, so this week's comics, I'll be talking about Justice. Um, Tenson is a fish out of water, possibly an exiled alien policeman, possibly just a crazy person, definitely fighting drug dealing street punks and dark wizards from his home dimension. Uh, he wields the sword and shield of justice as he brings his black and white fight against evil to our morally gray world. And the solicitation this week is incorrect so this doesn't actually match the issue we're getting um but this it it is given as uh justice number 12 Uh, justice has purged the evil with evil with himself within himself uh now it's mankind's turn written by jerry conway penciled by keith given giffen i'm stumbling today and the short version is justice number 12 there is evil in this world and now there is justice which could be the solicitation for every single issue, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, no Conway, no Giffen. Yeah, and uh, just blame many stumbles on technical difficulties, which we also have, so no one will really notice the difference. Right. It's totally not that my brain is malfunctioning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this week, I'll be covering DP7. Seven random people, once ordinary and average, begin to display powers extraordinary and paranormal in the wake of the white event. Uncertain how to use or even live with their new abilities and their family's reactions, their lives are upended by the clinic they went to for help, 
which has now kidnapped them in a bid to control them. <laughs> Randy, Dave, Stephanie, Charlie, Jeff, Scuzz, and Lenore. They are seven displaced paranormals on the run, or as we call them, DP7. Nice intro. I like what you did there. <laughs> uh, thanks. I So we spruced these up a little bit for uh, the, the end of the year or so. Um, Justice never really changes very much. He's a very like consistent dude. This week, DP7 number 12, Dave, the last free member of DP7, is finally captured. But as the clinic discovers, he's far from helpless. For when Dave and Randy team up to battle the head of the clinic, anything and everything goes. Plus, revealed for the first time, the true extent of Randy's antibody powers. Written by Grunwald Ryan Tengal. DP7 number 12, shorter version. Showdown at the clinic with the ultimate paranormal. What? And that is pretty accurate. So Yeah. And we will also be discussing um, a couple of things. We've got uh, Universe News slogan contest entries. We've got a letters page from one of the books. And... uh, we're happy to announce that both books are not canceled, so, which is a good thing. <laughs> they uh, they were, um, yeah, both um, good books that will be continuing into the yeah. future. Imagine if they left us hanging with Dave finally goes back to the clinic and then the book gets canceled. Like that'd be a <laughs> tricky one to wrap up, I suppose. What, whatever yeah. happened to Dave? I guess it's. Um, it's still in the mind slave of the clinic now you know whatever pretty sure wherever dave landers goes somebody's always trying to tranquilize him though so <laughs> yeah. it easy dave you're getting all worked up come on man <laughs> he's back to his normal life and it's like oh we'll just give you this sedative what <laughs> smashes the hospital <laughs> monster they called me ah! <laughs> Uh, all right, but that'll have to wait for part two of podcast because today we and right now we have justice. Um, so yeah, issue number 12, cover October 87, though it looks like it came out July 7, 1987. And uh, our covers actually got some interesting little tidbits to it. We've been talking about the maybe not so exciting world of the new universe. Uh, label on the top of the comics is now seems to be infinitely color changing um, but it also has a new title so like it's still justice but the font is different no longer the javistus uh, pointy kind of gothic looking thing uh, now it just looks in big blocky letters kind of like what you would draw like on your notebook in uh, high school or something yeah um it's a little, yeah. Um, I don't quite even know how to describe that, but it's it gives it sort of a rough hewn look. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's simpler and it's more of a U than a V that historically had been. Uh, but anyway, the the cover is basically um, you know Justice menacing some random people. Uh, with his hand it's kind of hard to tell exactly what we're looking at but there's a wall smashed in there's a truck or a van behind him 
uh, there's two guys in the foreground with guns and then a bunch of maybe regular people uh, even before them. So it's like he busted through the wall and is uh, ready to vaporize some people. Um, yeah, you got the, again, like the coloring sets off the the other people. They're just like a very dark neutral. The two sort of with guns are bright colors and so they pop a little bit more than just the drawing would have you i think yeah and um it, what's kind of funny is they're both holding guns but it looks like the goon on the left is giving justice a thumbs up <laughs> doesn't really make any sense he looks angry and he's got a gun but thumbs up <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did, yeah. There are a couple of funny, uh, yeah, that's good, yeah. So, the uh, last we saw Justice, he was basically revitalized by Webstrel the wizard. So, Justice had been kind of beaten, uh, corrupted. The bad guys stole his dark energy and used it to utterly destroy and enslave his Springlands world. And you know, things were looking pretty bleak. Uh, Webstrel and kind of his last gasp of life kind of revitalized him and you know decorruptified him and so he's ready to kind of get back in there and fight the good fight but then uh, that that's where we leave off from this issue, issue basically so it's it's a fill-in issue for sure but it's actually pretty fun so I enjoyed it so far but we'll get into it the cover splash or the cover the title page splash page gives this comic the name to protect and serve and in fact it ends up being written by dj chichester and margaret clark and penciled by tom grindberg inked by rick bryant so a lot of new names um I looked up some of them, like DJ Chichester was an assistant to Jim Shooter's assistant and maybe an editor for Epic. Uh, Brineberg, the artist, you know, has, you know, like a, a real wide spanning resume with like Judge Dredd and 2000 AD. And I think he's in line to, to draw the next issue as well. Uh, it's hard to find much about Margaret Clark as far as things go. I had that problem as well. It's yeah. a very generic name doesn't help but um i didn't know yeah what the connection was with uh, chichester um they'd worked together for a while because she was co-writing with him for some stuff for epic for the next couple of years or so and then she sort of moved on to other things mm -hmm. um so yeah i got her as being a writer editor on some star trek um, novelizations later but oh, okay Lord knows there's a lot of those. <laughs> Chichester, yeah. I, I mostly remember him as going on Daredevil a, a, couple, a couple years later, but um, I guess he has a pretty extensive um, series of credits through the 90s. But mm -hmm. he... Um, the thing I, I, I found was um, interesting was he did... He, actually, he and Margaret did a lot of... Um, the power line, the shadow line. Oh, okay. Epic series under Archie Goodwin. So that's going to be starting up before too long. And uh, it's an interesting sort of counterpoint to the universe because it's also 
by Archie Goodwin and you know, maybe they learned some lessons from New Universe. We'll see. Anyway. <laughs> Was he able to put together a run of comics and put them out on a deadline? That would be the real question. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Justice number 12. Uh, the splash page is actually pretty nice. So there's a lot of detail here. Uh, we open with two villains uh, from the cover uh, with Uzis basically gunning down some poor KFC workers. So the uh, new universe, one of the things that's been a fun little side bit is how often it uses real fast food chains and stuff like Denny's and McDonald's and this kind of stuff. So we get a bit of that. But if you bring those fast food chains, those realistic stores into the comic justice, you know, somebody's probably going to get killed in them. So <laughs> a tough time to be a fast food worker in the world here. Um, but yeah, so this opening dialogue or opening uh, narration, the smell of gunfire, the cries of anguish, the bitter taste of insanity. I can see it all as clearly as if I had been there. They showed no mercy. Neither will I. So, okay. So the writers get justice. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, we opened, uh, so that was kind of a call back to what happened. So opening the book, what we are is, is basically everybody's at the crime scene. So outside of the KFC, there's a crowd gathered, there's press, there's police, and Justice is hanging out as well, uh, looking at the newspaper, uh, which is pointing out the takeout killers. Takeout killers, order of death, filled again. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Even he doesn't like that. It's like their headlines scream with poor humor, shock value, meant to grab the attention. Criminals of such a horrible nature must be stopped. Even if I must postpone my mission to destroy conquest and dad, they who have wreaked havoc on my homeland of spring. <laughs> so it's slapped in there. Yeah. Very. Yeah. So, so, all right. These fast food guys need to be taken care of. And then we'll get to saving my entire universe. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty okay with that. I feel like that is kind of like something Justice would do on the on the way to work. <laughs> Very true, yes. Yeah. But yeah, so you know, he's he's kind of walking in and you know, kind of surveying uh what's going on, um, kind of inner monologuing as he goes, you know, talking about his cause of justice and how he's trying to study how this world's justice warriors work, you know, AKA watching the policeman. And he says, I hope I can learn the best way to serve justice here. Um, so he's basically, he's, I guess things are a little more wide open in the eighties. You know, he's just peeking in the window of the crime scene as the cops are, are picking up bullet casings and kind of doing their work. Uh, he doesn't get, he doesn't grab their attention too much as far as things go. Um, and then we have two main police characters. Um, and I don't know that we ever get the secondary guy's name, but uh, Agent Kurtz, uh, Ben Kurtz is sort of the lead cop and a, sort of a blue jacket uh, who's also annoyed by the, the press and things. And uh, Justice peeks at him and basically scans his aura, noticing it is true and pure. Perhaps, perhaps I can learn more from him. So it's kind of setting up our uh, comparison between how justice would handle things and how the, you know, a nice, good police officer would handle things. Um, so 
the agent Kurtz ends up talking to the press. You know, there's nothing to it. It's, it's I mean, not Officer Cobra from uh, Sylvester Stallone's movie of the same no. Movie. It's all just drinking the uh, raw eggs in a glass and old pizza and shooting the perps. <laughs> that was a fun movie. There's perp. There's some perps. I've got to go shoot. What? I mean, I've got to go uphold justice. I guess. Yeah. Or also argue with the commissioner or something, right? <laughs> I don't remember the plot of Cobra that well, but I'm assuming that's in there. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty by the numbers. I, it's the first thing that comes to mind when you want like the over-the-top cop who's, uh, I don't know, it's a yeah, little post Basically McGarnagle from The Simpsons. <laughs> there you go. Who's maybe modeled after Dirty Harry, but anyway. <laughs> so the, the reporter... Uh, uh, a, a female reporter thrusts the microphone in the policeman's face and says, what about the report that the killers sprawled a message on the back of the wall in the victim's blood? It's like, no comment. And he slaps the thing away. And, yeah, go chase an ambulance and let us do our job. Um, and as they're kind of walking off the crime scene, uh, Agent Kurtz's buddy is like, hey, did you notice the MTV clone? So he's, and he's pointing out justice. He's like, yeah, he looks a little too interested these news creeps out of here let me check out the rock star uh and yeah he's got white hair and kind of a long mullet he's got like a blue shirt with a lightning bolt and white pants and a trench coat he, yeah i guess he looks like an 80s rocker to a degree <laughs> so he walks up to yeah. justice all right van halen got an excuse for breathing this ain't backstage at the garden which is pretty funny I think uh, th this pose by Justice in response with his hand doing the sort of air like it looks uh, a little the Fonz. Yeah, yeah, that was I, I, that cracked me up a bit. I don't know why he doesn't have, like have dialogue in that panel, but like the sort of jaunty response to the yeah, it kind of looks like he's sauntering up, like swaggering, swaggering, like, like hey boys. <laughs> Uh, but of course it's justice so he says, I've come to see the guilty get what they deserve <laughs> it's like oh yeah well that's real nice I'll sleep a lot easier knowing that uh, let me give you some advice get lost Bowie stick around in the next and your next gigs behind bars so he's really laying into the goofing on him as a rock star uh, justice kind of sees through it it's, this warrior's commitment to justice is as great as my own he's thinking in his head but I fear our methods will bring us into conflict so yeah he, he knows what's what's up here um, and justice kind of pulls a Batman move afterwards uh, the officer curses keep an eye on that wacko I want to know where he gets to and his officer buddy says sure no problem as he turns to look he's basically gone so. Where did he go? <laughs> he was here a second ago. Yeah, but it's not one of Justice's normal abilities. Um, anyway, so he sneaks back to the crime scene at night, uh, the bloodied up KFC. Uh, and they had padlocked the door, but you know, he just snaps it with his bare hands, basically pulls the lock off. So um, maybe, I don't know that he's been shown with like extreme strength per se in previous issues. Maybe like, unusually strong but you know, he's looking pretty strong here yeah he's a little uh powered up in this issue i'd say from how i think we've seen him in the past yeah um he does a couple of feats of strength i'd say that uh before it was um 
he would sometimes say like, oh, my training helped me with beating someone or something, but yeah, we'll besides his more. besides his power set, I would I always kind of imagined him more kind of like Batman, like you know he's in perfect physical condition and well trained, you know. But uh, seems good to me, yeah. But yeah, so he so he easily breaks into the KFC either way, and just kind of surveys what's going on. And he says, oh, "The dark of night is nothing when compared with the darkness that lies inside such animal violence. No point." No reason except to drive me forward. <laughs> so we got some good Batman-y sort of narration here too. Uh, and he sees that blood message on the wall, which says, like this? Question mark. We do. Next time, going to blow them all away. So a little hint. A little hint as to what's coming next. Um, yeah, the like reporters have been asking if there was like a blood message. So yeah, it's part of their MO or something. Yeah. So again, uh, I hadn't really picked up on it, but now that I mentioned Batman, there's feeling a lot of Batman vibes, uh, but it's also kind of like a callback to the first episode where he's just kind of like following the trail, finding the next bad guy and, you know, kind of working his way up. So uh, we cut to him uh, maybe the same night. Uh, probably not. It says, I've gone to four arms dealers already, searching for the one who traded them his weapons for their money. So he's kind of tracking down the local goons. And he does the classic up on top of the warehouse. And of course, they always have those uh, big banks of like skylights that you can come crashing through or or open up and jump down if you're the crow or Batman or something. (laughs) Swing down. so he basically just jumps down on this guy. There's this neat panel where you see kind of his after images as he hops down and springs forward and, you know, basically like picks the guy up by his arms. Uh, says, now, nah, little man, you and me, let's have a talk. Um, so again, it's a little Batman. So he's kind of shaking down the lesser villain. Um, the guy basically tries to bribe him. Uh, thus also kind of have to explain to justice what a bribe is a little bit. So a little classic, um, but you can't buy off Tenson as far as things go. Um, and he eventually gives up the information he says, uh, just tell your tale, looking for a couple, a man and a woman. He's like, yeah, there was somebody like that here. We did some business, some ammo, a few pipe bombs, a little plastique as in like plastic explosives. Sure, you know, the um, everyday shopping uh, trip. Yeah. Arms dealer, and he's got military grade weapons. Yeah, <laughs> like we saw him carrying M16s and like inside the factories, a bunch of forklifts and boxes. You know, see some other guns in the foreground. So, you know, pretty serious. It must be LA. <laughs> well, this is the, there was a thing before where the reporters were talking, and he was saying something about they went from Pennsylvania to Jersey. Okay. Crossed into Jersey after committing similar acts in Pennsylvania. So when we last left Kenton, he was in LA. So I guess tri-state area then? That's the only like sort of discontinuity I noticed. So I I don't know. I'll I'll assume he's still in LA until bit further confirmation, but yeah. I mean justice started in New York. So then if you write the issue and maybe forget about that little detail, like that's probably what happened there. 
we can't win a no prize is what I, as I found out from the letters, <laughs> though, even if we were timely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this part's kind of funny. Is like, you know, where did they go? It's like, man, what do I know? They wanted to get something to eat. Broad said something about wanting some really good fries. I sent him to Mickey D's down the highway. Everybody knows McDonald's got the best fries. <laughs> Which means you know this is the 80s because McDonald's fries are now very bland and not very good. <laughs> it's uh, veering into product placement uh, territory here. It is indeed. Uh, so he, he doesn't kill the arms dealer. It just kind of leaves him behind and makes his way to McDonald's. And the uh, police are there as well. So, you know, you get a nice shot of that classic McDonald's with the red top and the you know the details that look like french fries and you know there was still one in pittsburgh uh, but they're rare they're hard to find these cool older looking mcdonald's now um so he hitches hitches a ride he says uh, and runs straight into the policeman i says lucky coincidence rock and roll been wanting to talk to you again on my terms it's like enough with the nicknames guy <laughs> it's like as soon as my partner gets back from getting some coffee we'll take a little trip downtown um uh, so maybe a little uh too coincidental that justice the killers and the police officers are all going to this one mcdonald's but so it goes um justice is having none of it uh so he's like no uh and basically just shoves the police officer out of the way and he says no matter how quickly i move i fear i may be too slow and so just as the partner cop starts walking into the mcdonald's he's a too slow to warn the justice warrior too slow to stop the madness and we get a peek inside and in fact yeah the two guys the two goons uh, which is a man and a woman uh the woman's got like short hair and uh big earrings uh looks like the zorana the gi joe character if anyone's familiar uh, but they've got a bunch like a big family held at gunpoint and are maybe ordering food <laughs> Hard to tell uh, before they kill everybody. They do have guns out, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So guns and food. Uh, yeah, justice breaks in. Uh, they kind of swerve, to turn quickly to confront him, um, and he says, "Others fail to notice until it's too, for what I read, see readily. Others fail to notice until it's too late." And basically, they chuck pipe bombs at him. Uh, so they throw a bomb. Um, and before he can hit them with his sword, you know, he's got last second, throws up the shield, uh, protects a couple of the people in the place, uh, presumably the uh, police officer as well, though it's kind of hard to tell in the explosion. But the blast, uh, while his shield deflects it, the force basically fires him through the window. So he's launched out of the McDonald's and onto the ground in like a hail of glass and mess. Um and then he wakes up so looks like justice had blacked out uh he wakes up in an ambulance uh not really know exactly what happened but he's still on the scene uh paramedics like what are you doing you can't just but you know nobody's going to stop justice from getting out and uh you know doing what he needs to do uh says but when awareness returns the sights and sounds greet me convince me that my service here is not yet over (laughs) um so again, the police are there. 
um, kind of cornering off the whole place. There's a bunch of broken building and smoke and a whole ton of police cars. Uh, they're holding all the people in the McDonald's hostage at this point. It's like, I want the whole block cordoned off. That doesn't work, as we'll find later. Uh, no one else is going to get hurt in this thing. And he's like, son of a... They told me you wouldn't be conscious for hours. And Justice comes walking up like nothing's going on. It's like Rock and roll. What are you doing here? <laughs> Come on, Eddie Vedder. Oh, no, wait. No, that was the 90s. <laughs> but yeah, Justice is just walking in. Uh, I cannot rest. I must stop the guilty. It's like, what's with you and the guilty, pal? It's like, I don't need some nut running around thinking he's just some kind of judge and jury. Don't forget executioner. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's innocent people in there whose only mistake was to be in the wrong place at the wrong time anything happens to any of them and I find out you had any part in this I'm coming down on you hard real hard uh, so he slaps some handcuffs on him but again it's, it's quite casual with someone who is in the middle of a cr- dangerous crime scene uh, but it's the 80s so <laughs> and yeah. oh good. years before CSI like sensitized everyone to like oh it's a crime scene you have to have every you know it has to be kept immaculate oh don't don't breathe near that yeah um, those dang eggheads in their crime scene tools yeah it was need that hard-boiled police work beating up some guys getting some information yeah I mean, the perps are right there you just gun them down what are you what are you guys standing around for <laughs> yeah yeah, I feel like the situation could have been handled by a uh, rifle and a scope, perhaps, but <laughs> maybe was, they just didn't have that kind of gear yet. Uh, we hadn't quite been to uh, the militarization of the <laughs> police force in uh, 87. Yeah, um, this is something about the SWAT team is miles away. So, yeah. Um, so, probably definitely not Los Angeles, right? They would have been ready with that SWAT team. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, there's, there's, there's like just riding around on a helicopter waiting to like jump on people like that's my that's what the movies taught me anyway yeah right crash through the windows um so so i'm not sure what happens here per se but um the the best food killers throw someone out through the window that justice got blasted out i'm like hey pigs you left your garbage in here um i don't think it's ever clear whether he's alive though or not yeah, that was a good que- a question for me too. I thought it was the the unnamed partner of Kurtz. That's what I because assumed. he was going into the thing, and then we there's the explosion. So, but then they just sort of are throwing him out, and we don't see him walk, but we also don't see any reaction from Kurtz. So I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like he would have been in. Yeah, maybe it's just a little. Uh, missed opportunity in the in the writing or something but but yeah so they're kind of just brazen the bad guys the goons the fast food killers are just sort of brazenly yelling out the window rest of them will follow pretty soon maybe we'll be nice and do them fast so you know not, not looking too good um and as kurtz gets on the megaphone and does the classic you know talking to the guys in the hostage situation thing justice is just looking at him like words just words that do nothing you cannot reason with animals <laughs> so while he's let's talk and he's like to do something i will put innocence at risk yet to do nothing i fail to serve my purpose i cannot stand idle 
So a little bit of Mark Hazard Merck vibe there, but he he's handcuffed, but he just spreads his arms like wide into a T and just rips the handcuffs off. So we've got strong justice here. Um, knocks a police officer out of the way, hops in their police van, uh, basically spins it around and goes tearing towards the McDonald's. Kurtz is yelling, no! And he just smashes the van right through the wall of the building. So we're we're g- coming up on our cover image here. Um, everybody kind of cowers, but he's basically busted a hole in the wall like the Kool-Aid man. Um, oh, yeah. yeah! Oh, yeah. Telling everybody, back, get back in the truck. So trying to evacuate everyone. Um, but the bad guys are ready with the pipe bomb. Uh, as, as if there were any doubt, Justice gives him a quick, quick scan and sees yeah, kind of a greenish aura. It's maybe could use a little better coloring job. Um, and as he's just about to vaporize them, though, you know, the pipe bomb goes off and he has to stop it with his shield again. Um, so he's protected the people, but, uh, or, you know, the incompetence of the police, I suppose, and they're cordoning off the area. Uh, the bad guys end up getting away. Uh, but he's saved everybody in the building, at least. And he's kind of does his scan showing that you know, all the people he rescued are pure, um, which is maybe unlikely that late at night at a McDonald's. But I guess it's a bunch of good people. So that's, can't complain too much. Um, no sign of the di- distinctive pattern of the killers. So, yeah, he's probably I mean, if he was like. Hey, the guy who works behind the counter is also evil. I, let me vaporize him <laughs> before I go. You totally I would distract have. you. <laughs> You're a fry cook. Evil. <laughs> no, it was the fries that were evil. I was just standing behind them. Damn it. <laughs> oh, fries can't be evil. So, you know, in, in another cloud of smoke and justice, you know, being kind of thrown from a building. Uh, so you know, he's not invincible, but fairly strong. And uh, and Kurtz comes back up. He says, I could put you away, rock and roll. I should put you away. But you just saved a bunch of people just now. And for that, I'm willing to forget you were ever here. <laughs> okay. And the killers. <laughs> It's like they managed to slip away in the confusion. So maybe this isn't the best cop in the area. Uh, it's like, but we'll get them. Justice isn't happy. Like, you know what? They're killers, animals. They need to be brought to justice. Um, so they were citizens, hurt. They needed help. Like it says on the side of the cruisers, to serve and protect. People will come first. Justice will work itself out. Well, there's like 12 police cars. I think you could have done both jobs. But all right. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt, policeman. <laughs> Uh, uh, but the ending is my favorite to be like it, it ends well so justice stalks off you know they, they leave him and he somehow i'm not really sure how but he basically kind of knows where they're going to go next so he says i um we pan to a diner and kind of like a far off look it's night but the lights are on you know, there's not much traffic so it's kind of like a quiet late part of the night in an all-night diner um He's thinking to himself, I wanted the owner gone. That was easy. We both knew what a bribe was. So call back to learning how to bribe things. And the door opens, uh, the bell rings, and our two fast food killers are still at it. So going into another food service place, 
uh, with their sawed off shotgun, you know, smiling to themselves saying easy pickings. And they point to the guy standing by himself uh, behind the counter, which looks suspiciously a little bit like justice without his coat on. Um, so they walk up to him, gun right to his back. You know, Put your hands where I can see him, sucker. And justice facing the other way says gladly. They showed no mercy, neither did I. So it just vaporizes them right out. So just a quick turn of the hand, fires up the, the hand powers. Um, so there's like that famous Terminator 2 scene where they're flashing back to like the person on the fence, like getting vaporized and you just see their <laughs> bones. And like, this is what that looks like. Um, it's like, right, right. they showed no mercy, neither did I. I am justice. Okay, so I, I feel like I kind of blazed through this one because it was just action movie style wall-to-wall action right so what'd you think about this one i am justice (laughs) they they didn't use the old font in that either like when he would just say i am justice in the beginning of a book um i am javastus yeah i wonder if it's like the people just didn't like it like if if i think shooter is still credited on this one yeah but you know he's probably pretty much gone at this point since it's already like in the announcements so i wonder if like once he was gone they they got rid of the javistus thing yeah that would make sense i think you'll um see various tweaks and changes coming up that uh yeah getting away from shooters um guiding hand i guess and into howard mackey's i guess yeah um, a quick peek and, through the box and this title font stays until about issue 19 and then it changes again okay yeah the um to be honest i had forgotten that that it changed in this case but um it's a little i don't know it, does, it just I looks mean, average it's like it's not yeah anything but, special I like the old one, but it's not really a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it's not a make or break thing for me. Um, yeah, this is this is a fun issue. I mean, it, you're kind of left hanging from how how you know how much you wanted to see justice bring rain of fire down on uh, the conquests and add. But um, yeah, this it's also kind of the upside of justice is you can stick him getting distracted into like wanting to hunt down and kill some killers anywhere you can imagine him you know doing anything and it's like oh wait there's some killers over there excuse me i gotta go vaporize <laughs> some yeah so i mean yeah you, you fine you could do a fun comedy routine with justice justice goes to a party scans the scene mm. <laughs> why did i oh, look? justice why'd you vaporize the dj he was evil oh <laughs> justice <laughs> now who's gonna play the music <laughs> i don't know what this music is in my world we uh dance with flowers i <laughs> what? i don't know the yeah they called the them springlands i don't know yeah, they, they referred to them as like the Bonnie and Clyde killers and some some other thing I was reading, but here they're just a male and female without really any um, uh, 
characteristics other than being uh, crazed for for blood um, and fries and fries. Um, they're fine. I don't know. The cop seems like yeah, he's is like a, a a decent character. You're kind of provides a good contrast. Um, overall, um, justice is as you said a little stronger than we're used to, but it's not like you know so crazy different that you know we're wondering what's going on. So, um. Yeah, it's it's a basically fun issue. So um, the only sort of drawback is is um, not getting resolution from last uh, issue. That's you know that that problem pops up a lot in the new universe. But yeah, though honestly, I've been getting kind of comfortable. Like I've been getting a little more used to uh, less changes. Like. Even some of the yeah. inconsistent books have been either like switching back and forth or like, you know, Kickers Inc. Uh, has had a lot of changes, but like they mostly kept threads going kind of thing stuff. But yeah, I was I was when I picked it up and I'm like, oh, no, this isn't Giffen anymore. It's not going to tell me what happens that I really wanted to know. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised. So it was not like a bummer of a um villain issue for sure it's definitely a lot of fun so hopefully we get back to something that we're expecting next issue but i haven't spoiled it and i really don't know yeah i'm just kind of guessing that there's a certain amount of burning off inventory stories because i i think before too long with the new editor you get new creative teams in that'll stay through a lot of the following ones because People tell you, oh, you know, this, when this guy took over Justice or that guy took over Cyforce, you know, things really came together. So at some point that'll happen. And I'm not sure if they're like clearing the way for, for you know, telling stories now that they're not going to be able to tell once they, they make bigger changes in the title. Or I, honestly, I don't know if that's even the, they're thinking that far ahead or they just had a deadline crunch, but. Yeah. Either way. Um yeah, I'll give this like a B. Let's say um I mean I'd never really read Chichester before. Um this is pretty pretty good for especially for an early um uh, issue by a new writer. Yeah. Don't forget Clark. <laughs> Clark is uh Margaret Clark. Uh, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking solid B. It's uh, you know, like sometimes the art could get a little wobbly and sort of a little sloppy here and there, but you know, overall, it's it's pretty good. It's got kind of like a a decent dark vibe, and uh, you know, the, the thing that always drives me crazy in comics is like the mono color, like empty background. Like, and I get it and it's okay. Like a couple of panels, but like when you get like panel after panel of like yellow, pink, blue, like I'm just filling in the space here. Uh, like that always drives me nuts. So I'd, I'd rather a late book than some of that. And uh, all the uh, little details of inside the restaurants were all good. You know, it's like the last splash page where he's, I am justice. 
you know, there's a phone, like a payphone. There's hooks on the booths. You know, there's smoking remains of dead guys. Uh, you know, a clock on the wall. It, it looks like the inside of a fast food restaurant. It's not just, you know, generic. Even the previous panel is like a greasy uh, flat top grill and stuff. So I appreciate you know, actually, the attention. It's uh, it's funny that uh, Grinberg, since we looked him up and yeah, he was on Judge Dredd, I think he must be British. Yeah, so, so it's yeah. like American fast food places are probably like oh, what the heck what do they look like i don't know give me some reference i don't know anything <laughs> so he might he, he, you know it was, it's not like this was easy for him he must have you know put invested some time and effort trying to make it uh, look authentic even if it's outside of his own experience yeah and you nice. can't just type inside of mcdonald's into google and get up a bunch of pictures <laughs> oh it's all orange interesting no it's not like yeah so anyway. Uh, okay. Good times. Um, let's see. We were going to chat about the slogan contest entries. Oh, and justice was renewed, as we said. Yay, more issues. <laughs> Yay. We um we promised we'll have a recap episode for the after we complete the annuals. So we'll finish up the number 12s actually I, this is the end of the number 12s um yeah. we'll move uh, yeah. into annuals well though uh in the month's worth of comics there's still one issue of spitfire left that's right um so we'll um uh, talk about the books that are continuing and the books that are not uh when we get to that so we'll hold a memorial service of some kind <laughs> complain about the ones we disagreed with <laughs> uh, some I, I yeah let's see let's uh take a turn back to the uh entries still pouring in in the universe slogan contest and uh go through some of the uh candidates that people sent mm, i there's a lot so i'm gonna propose we take turns reading three and then pick our favorite of the three. Okay. And since they're all not that great, in my opinion, maybe there's no overall winner, but that'll speed us through it, I think. Okay. Or, you know, we can spend an hour pouring over each one. <laughs> <sighs> um, okay. I'll start off. Ours is the new universe. You're going to give us three or just one at a time? Oh, I, was, I, I thought we'd alternate. Oh, we're, I thought each person reads three. Oh. We clearly, we did not plan this ahead of time. Ah, uh, see, it's it's if it's not in the script, I I can't do anything. I'm not like an improv guy. Okay. Uh, you read I'll, three, I'll have to. We talk, and then I read three. We talk. Okay, I'll give uh, a shout out to uh, Richard Horseman from Pittsburgh. New universe, get real, <laughs> and. Um... <laughs> Let's see. Scott O'Dell, no address. New times, new needs, new universe. <laughs> see, now you're skipping around. I'm totally lost. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Do we have them in different order in our books? <laughs> there are several Canadians. I don't know. You can just disregard those, I suppose. <laughs> we, dis we disregard the Canadians, but not the Oklahomans. 
Look, I, I'm not a racist. <laughs> Oklahoma's not a race. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, there's there's a lot of real literal ones, right? So, new way. I knew it. Uh, one with the new universe and new news is good news. You can't just keep using the word new and then call that a comic <laughs> slogan, right? Yeah. I, let me see. Got, <laughs> I do like this guy. I've got new U-mania. <laughs> U-mania. Yeah, U-M-A-N-I-A. I've got new U-mania. I think that might be my favorite. It's pretty uh, creative. I think um, it's the worst one, which makes it the best <laughs> one. <laughs> it's the hardest one you can imagine, like showing up on a t-shirt or anything. Oh, man. Now I need to write that down. <laughs> would you rather have, though, a, a shirt that says, I've got new Umania." which no one in the world is going to know what the hell and ever, you're going to spend your, your whole day answering the question, what does that mean? Or uh, don't throw away the duck, which I think should have been a slogan contrast entry. It was just a uh, star brand letter. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty dull. The new choice, the new universe is my universe. Light my universe. Mm. New rules. Mm. Mm-hmm. A new universe for new people. Yeah, that's a Canadian one. Sorry, I shouldn't have read that one. New universe get real is fun. I don't, I don't know why. Mm. You think that's better than I've got new Umania? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's our front um, runner. <laughs> okay. Let's give the I'll I'll give the uh yes prize to new Umania this time. <laughs> Uh, uh, let's see if we can track down that you maniac. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Well, well, I'm sure like a whole podcast of us giggling and shaking our heads is a great entertainment. But maybe yeah, we should move on. <laughs> we uh, should learn how to do like that rapid talk uh, and just blaze through things someday. But, um. Let's uh, take a quick break and we will come back with DP7 number 12. Well, welcome back. We'll jump right into DP7 number 12 now. Cover is, again, got the new um, new universe uh, logo in uh, slightly, like this time it's reversed. It's black lettering on a white background. Um, and it is a pretty good action scene of, let's say, a giant, I think... You would guess it's Voight. Um, yeah. yeah. Giant old white guy in suit. Who's yeah, um, uh, colored in sort of a, a orangey. It, it looks like, yeah, again, some like 
energy creature or something, some projection. Um, but it's holding a couple of antibodies in its hand. It's got a couple more antibodies attacking it from uh, other directions, one of which is just pouring right out of um, Randy. So you're sure that it's, you know, he's there and that's what's going on. Um, and you've got uh, Dave Landers down on the ground underneath him, uh, looking like he's still fighting, but being overpowered by this Voight creation or something. Mega Voight. Voidatron. Um, Voidatron we... 2000. Ooh. That just sounds like a robot, though. And we've got a uh, a a little uh, text box to save the clinic. Overshadow must die. So perhaps this is Overshadow. Okay. Popping inside, we've got the. Uh, it's not. It's like three-fourths of a splash page and um, the title Redemption um, DP7 um, and the uh, credits excuse me again, Mark Gruenwald writer, Paul Ryan Penciler, Denny Bulanadi anchor and I think by this point we're, he's been showing up a couple of times and I think it sounded like he was going to take over long term on this title um he uh fine job good thinking um we start off with uh, a ambulance pulling into the clinic and there's a text box the clinic of the national institute for paranormal research somewhere in wisconsin so this is the clinic that dp7 escaped from in the beginning a uh, couple of issues and now 12 issues later, they've all been recaptured as we see uh, Dave Landers being taken off the ambulance in a gurney. He's um, sleepy or passed out. And it's the hunters who had been chasing him the last few issues, this sort of um, ragtag mercenary crew of tranquilizing savants, we'll call them. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> They, uh, they're uh, taking him off and they're complaining about how much he, he weighs, which pretty much everyone does. Um, whenever they tranquilize Landers, he has his revenge because then they have to move him. And yeah. He's four or 500 pounds. The orderlies is uh, taking delivery of him and is like, what the heck? This guy been eating. He looks even bigger than he was when he escaped here five months ago. And uh, one of the hunters is saying uh, they were beginning to think they'd never bag this freak. His words, not mine. Yeah, um, he's asleep. He, he won't hurt his feelings. Landers. So it's, yeah, they mentioned a couple of times they escaped five months ago. So um, we'll hit go back to the um, universe news um, when we, we're wrapping up because they mentioned that... Uh, Someone is asking about, like, how come DP7 isn't really at the same time as the others? Um, and yeah, so if it's been 12 months of issues, but only five months of time in, in the story, that doesn't quite add up. But anyway, um, the orderlies are like, do we really need all the firearms? And they are like, the mercenaries are like, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> He's in a lot of trouble if he wakes up. 
How much sedative did you give him? At least a hundred cc's. Yikes. <laughs> uh, we got somewhat carried away. And um they're uh taking him through and um Orderly's remark about this, you know, the woodsman uh fashion style that he's wearing now. Um maybe he doesn't smell too good. He hasn't taken a bath in a, several months, probably. But um then they try uh sticking a um needle into him and same problem all, all the hunters had. Can't get anything through his thick skin. So Hunters are walking through the uh, clinic, and they're, one of them's like, oh, this place gives me the creeps, all these freaks. And uh, the other one is, uh, another one's like, yeah, look, it's, uh, you know, paying the bills. And they come to Mr. Voigt's office. He's expecting you, Mr. Bernard, go right in. And they report to uh, the boss of the, the clinic, Philip Nolan Voigt, who you've seen me, of course. It took a little bit longer than we expected, sir, but Landers is here. Good. Tell me the details of his capture. Sort of revisit the last couple of issues in a clearly <laughs> defined way so that we can catch anyone who's just popping into the story up to speed quickly. Oh, yeah, sure. Let me do it that way. We opened fire on him right on the road. And this goes over to like the last issue where um, the hunters came upon Dave as he was finally coming back to civilization after several months with the woodsman uh, in the northern forest somewhere. Um, they immediately attacked him, um, getting the signal from Tracy Speck. And uh, Dave had made a run for it through into more woods. Um, but And while they chased him with trank darts, they, as they said, then somehow he managed to lose us yet again. It was insane. We weren't about to give up. He managed to stay hidden for two hours before his luck ran out. And then we put so many darts in him, he looked like a porcupine. He's been out of it ever since. So, yeah, this is what happened last issue that they didn't know was that Dave probably ran into a, another group of paranormals. The ES yes, people. Yes, people. <laughs> Oh. They're made out of people. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I forgot the there was another group of psychics at a comic book called the ESPers, the Espers or something. Mm, okay, I was like, I wonder if that was related. It was a different writer and everything, different company even. So, anyway, um, Boyd is uh, you know, good boss. You freelance people have done the public a great service. Uh, paranormals are very dangerous. Your pay vouchers are with my secretary. Hope we don't see need you again. So they take off, and uh, then we get a little villain monologuing in Voigt's uh, thought balloons, though. I detest dealing with such shallow, immoral, inferior beings, men who will do anything if the price is right. I'd have eliminated them right here and now if I was certain I'd never have use for them again. Yeesh. <laughs> Yikes. Well, I mean, what do you want? I mean, we gave you the guy you wanted. Yeah, that's always like a, mis a villain mistake to like off your uh, underlings and then be like, oh, I need another one. What the heck? <laughs> I'm going to find more uh, skilled mercenaries. 
they're dropping like flies out there. They're all just quiet quitting. <laughs> so back in the clinic, we have um, pop over to the cafeteria and we've got uh, Dr. Semple, who is sort of a um, Jessica Fletcher type um, wheeling Lenore around in a wheelchair and she's covered up again. And um, she's wheeling her into a room. Um, I guess we're not in the Clinton in the cafeteria yet. So we've got like a meeting room and we see three of the other DPs, uh, Jeff uh, Walters, um, Charlie Beck and uh, Scuzz, who are all also in wheelchairs. And they're all like, oh, so good to see you. Oh, good to see you. Um, first thing Jeff asks is if she can uh, cool him off a little, zone him out. And uh, uh, Dr. Semple's like, uh, you up for it, Lenore? It takes no effort at all to let my skin emit its sedative luminescence. Mm. So she takes off her mask and uh, we see like, there are two faces close by and Jeff is uh, smiling and saying, ah, you give great facials lady. Eh. <laughs> it's, oh, okay. Anyway, so they simple uh, sits down with them and uh, starts asking them how they're doing and beginning their re- reorientation treatment. And Scuzz is, uh, first thing he asks is, how long uh, do we got to keep our butts glued to these wheelchairs? I ain't no grip. <laughs> Scuzz is a blood, as we both know. No, I'm kidding. Um, grips and bloods, that was a thing later. I oh, very 80s, yes. Yes, thank you. Um, Semple is saying that until you rejoin your full strength, your muscles have atrophied while you've been bedridden. And Jeff asks about Randy, Dave, and Steph. And she says that Randy's made slower progress. David's only begun treatment. And Stephanie suffered a nervous breakdown, possibly due her, to her marital problems. Her old man's creep. Poor dear. Bummer. So yeah, they're for, all. So much for doctor patient confidentiality. <laughs> <laughs> My, uh... oh, what is that even? Yeah, that you're. Oath of uh, confidentiality is, uh, means nothing to them. But, uh, <laughs> ask them the free run. Too much of her marital details, guys. It's you know all ages book. But anyway, so let's talk about your treatment. You underwent for the last several months. It's radical new psychotherapy pioneered by Avoid called hypnoregression, in which the patient is hypnotically induced to relive certain significant experiences in order to understand them better. Hmm. Totally now, not brainwashing. Totally the opposite of brainwashing. More of a brain rinsing. Wash braining? Um, Wash I like it. Yeah. Okay. Trademark uh, that. You got a quarter? What? Well, I thought you got your brain washed. You might want to get it dried as well. Uh, oh. <laughs> the... Um, stories she starts uh, eliciting from them is the story of how they all escaped in the first place but as she says 
quite openly, I guess, once they're on your side, you don't have to hide anything, that, um, that you know, they've modified these key sign uh, uh, significant experiences in order to understand them better. So we go over things like um, when they were initially in the clinic and Dave's antibody, Randy's antibody, um, found out that they're spying on the DP7 and, you know, uh, they were doing something to them while they were sleeping already, right? Uh, I think they were, I think the antibody heard them talking about like the mind control that they were doing. Right. They were already doing like a mild version of, yeah. of like influencing them to to be receptive to the clinic or something. And like Randy was resistant. Something about his power made him hard to control. And when his antibody went to investigate on its own, it came back and it went to SCUS. And um, SCUS is shown uh, reading a issue of the Avengers in his uh in his hospital room which is probably something cleaner than he was uh <laughs> yeah i, I feel like time. it was playboy or something right <laughs> um but he's like the he's got a much more negative idea of what was happening than he did before the dirty ghost sticks his hand in me and all of a sudden i got these images racing through my skull and it had something with guys spying on us with TVs or something. And the uh, antibody gives me the idea that these spy guys were doing something creepy. Anyway, we, we get out and I see Dave was, looks like someone slugged him. So they he gets out and he comes across Dave who had um, been fighting with Hackbarth or something. And I still ain't too sure what's going on, he says, but he says to get the others out of the room. Then the security comes in with a bunch of rifles. And then we see sort of what's happening is because uh, Charlie interrupts him. Scott, that's not what happened. Those orderlies didn't have guns. They didn't. Uh, you're right. I guess I made that part up or dreamed it. And so now, like in his memory that we're shown. They don't have guns, and Charlie just sort of pushes them over, um, makes them slide on the floor. And uh, then we see um, them confronting Hackbarth, who you know has pretty strong powers and was kind of overpowering them. And um, uh, Hackbarth must be a paranormal, Scuzz continues, like us, because he just waves his arm a bit, and next thing I know, I'm falling on the floor. And now Jeff interrupts. Whoa, bro, it wasn't like that. Hackbarth may be a creep, but he ain't a paranormal. And uh, even even their best brainwashing couldn't convince them to lie that Hackbarth wasn't a creep. Hackbarth's <laughs> <laughs> the nicest guy I ever met. Wait well, a second. No, nobody's going to believe that. We better... Brain reject. Brain reject. So um, he remembers something about uh, Dave smacking Hackbarth, and he Dave didn't believe him, so he smacked the white right off of him. <laughs> <laughs> I like that line. It makes no sense, but I like it. Um, Is that racist? It, possibly. I okay. can't tell. <laughs> I'm not even sure if that's Randy or, or Scuzz or, or Jeff talking. Gotta be Jeff. 
Yeah, I thought, but okay. Anyway, um, Scuzz is now. I must be spacey from hypno, whatchamacallit. I've kind of lost track of what's real and what I dreamt. And so samples like, so the seven of you all decide to run away because Randy's antibody convinced you you were being spied on? Jeff's. Yeah, sounds kind of dopey, doesn't it? Well, seemed like a good idea at the time. Charlie is spotting into this wholesale. I didn't really want to run away. I just didn't want to be left behind. Guess I should have been more assertive, huh? So they they kind of blame it all on the antibody, maybe lying to them with the images it saw or something and all this. And then they go into, tell me more about your experiences outside. And Jeff's like, I was hungry all the time. I'm ashamed I had to steal food. It was, it was miserable. How about you, Lenore? Um, I remember attacking someone. I feel bad for it now. Like Stephanie's mother-in-law or something. Charlie remembers getting shot by the first group of uh, hunters that they sent after him. Wait, they weren't paranormals. I wonder what made me think they were. <laughs> A lot of it's interesting that that's part of like not wanting them to think there were other paranormals working for the clinic. I guess that would sort of connect that they were sent by the clinic full of paranormals to get them. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Scuzz remembers a little bit about the scorcher. My hairiest moment came when everyone ditched me. I, what? <laughs> I just totally lost my cool, started torching things. My disintegration power went wild. I couldn't control it, thought I'd burn up. Okay. So, uh, samples like it. So, it seems like all your experiences are pretty uh, unpleasant outside the clinic. Yeah, yeah. I clobber Rabbit Randy for talking us into it if I, he were here. Now, now, it's not his, that his fault. It's that horrid thing inside him that misled us all. Oh, okay. They like don't know who they hate more, Randy or the antibody. But anyway, he's, they're all like, yeah, I learned, uh, you know, my which side of the, Bread, my uh, butter is on, and uh, this clinic's pretty good. Haven't had it so good before. And uh, Char even Charlie's like, I wish I could stay here forever. Surprisingly simple, it's like, now that's a, not a very positive attitude, Charlie. Your at clinic here is to help you adjust to your paranormality and prepare you to face the outside world. I trust someday you'll all be ready to leave. Hmm. So you kind of think they want to just keep them there forever and like, but maybe she even... herself is not in on that. So that's an interesting question. I, I we'll, we'll like discuss sample at the end because um, even at the beginning, they were like, not everyone seems that bad at the clinic. Like sample was pretty good. And yeah. yeah, so onward we go elsewhere in the clinic. And here is uh, Dexter Charn and Tracy Speck. Um, looking at Stephanie Harrington and um, they're getting ready to um, try to treat her again. Uh, Dexter is actually kind of sad that she's uh, Stephanie got call it brain blasted by Hackbarth. Um, no, wait, she was getting heart attacked by Hackbarth and he right. rescued her by inducing um, a brain trauma so um now he feels bad about that plus he hurt Hackbarth, which you know nobody feels bad him. about <laughs> no but 
unless Hackbarth comes back, which case everyone will feel bad about. So, um, yeah, she's Tracy's like, I keep telling you, you did the right thing. Stephanie would be dead if you hadn't induced the psychic trauma. Hackbarth was going to kill her. Anyway, if we can't, but if we can't repair the damage I did to her psyche, Void is going to be very unhappy. So then there's an interesting kind of, I don't know, it's, it's like a illustration style you would have in the 1970s when you were, you would be sort of imagining psychic powers then. Um, It's like a pen and ink style. Anyway. Yeah. I feel like I've seen this like every, in a lot of cartoons where they're like going inside the mind of thus and such kind of thing. It looks like outer space and there's all these floating bits of things that are, her personality or her memories or stuff yeah there's like a astral projection themselves into her mind and um it's yeah it's like a star field with all these roads and these other people lenora looks like the angry witch her children are being threatened we see like a broken uh statue of her husband and dave's over there somewhere but I don't know if she's maybe he's punching and breaking the statue. Oh yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, maybe they are next to each other. Remember, one of the last things that happened was Dave beating up her ex-husband or her husband. So that was one of the uh, uh, last things that upset her in the real world. So Tracy and Charn are sort of floating, glowing heads. <laughs> <laughs> this Steph space, we'll call it. And they see a glow over in, in some uh, region and go to investigate it. And they see like a self image. So they're like, we're trying to put your mind back together, Stephanie. All you have to do is trust us. Said the weird, big glowing heads. <laughs> What's she doing? She's trying to fight us. And Steph is sort of uh gesturing and then she blows up and uh, the two are back outside she blew herself up to bits rather than let us and all of a sudden uh void is there what's going on experience experiencing a setback mr void um so uh they report that her stephanie's psyche is pretty fractured and Voight's like, eh, leave her for the time being and start in on Landers. I want to know how he avoided us for so long. And as he leaves, Speck is like, something about that man fills me with awe or dread. We never knew what Voight's powers are. Even the people working directly under him in the clinic seem to think that either he has no powers or there's just something vaguely threatening about him. But, yeah, though in the previous issue, when she wanted to quit, he was able to kind of like get into her dream and sort of mentally influence her, like almost kind of replicating the powers that they'd seen before. But again, it was it was seemed a little different and kind of vague. So, so where does it go? So, um, Speck and Charn are next thing in uh, on the next page um, at a room where there's another orderly um, who's working with Randy and Dave Landers. 
Um, let me actually back up a minute because when the um, DP, DP4, we'll call them, were uh, in the previous scene uh, in their wheelchairs, like they mentioned that um, they'd been in this therapy and their legs had atrophied. That's unusually realistic for a comic book. So yeah. Like shout it out. Because some, so many times they'll be like, oh, he was in a coma for six years and he'll pop out of bed and start fighting or something. And like, it does not take much time at all for your legs to like wither away, apparently. Uh, there would be some uh, reasonably, maybe cinematically realistic technology, physics, astronomy, and biology. Ah, there we go. And medicine. Let's add medicine. To that. Yeah, medicine. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to update all our intros now. Anyway, so um, the uh, they talk a little about, uh, oh, yeah, Landers is here. Uh, how's uh, how's um, Randy? Uh, I want to work on him again. I don't know how he's resisting treatment. And uh, they they check uh, Dave Landers. Uh, he he's, looks like he's bigger than we last saw him. Um, maybe he's growing. Maybe that's normal for him. Yikes. <laughs> and then this, this is where it gets great. You up for more mental intimacy, Dexter? With you, babe, always. Psyche dipping into virgin mind pools with you beats anything our mere envelopes of flesh have to offer. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of knew he was a creep, but he's extending himself into pure creep territory even further. There's a big, uh, like, um transhumanist element to this that like um the two of them are psychics and they're like they have some weird like psychic connection that's more intimate than flesh connection Uh, (laughs) interesting but perhaps we'll uh doctor i'm having trouble with my flesh envelope (laughs) you what are you talking about it's a little like you know like a cyberpunk um the thing where like you're instead of the astral projection of yourself it's like your cyber digital form flying around so i don't know it's it's maybe it's just a common visual uh, for all of this sort of imaginary world stuff but anyway he continues okay neanderthal ready or not here come the mind foggers The next thing you panel is Dave uh, standing over them. What happened? I felt a slight buzzing in my brain. Now I find these two clinic clowns passed out on the floor. Um, is it? Do you think in the um, panel before this, do you think he's like got his eye open and is looking at them? I think it is, but it's also like miscolored. Yeah, so it's still flesh colored. So you're like, is his eye open or not? Um so I, I was like, I didn't know if, yeah, like he was already awake and just faking it or like their attempt to get into his brain woke him up. But either way, he's up and they're out. So score two more for Dave. Um, Hackbarth's already out of it. So no one seems to be too concerned about, you know, oh, let's go look at uh, old Hackbarth, see if we can help him. So, uh, they just stuck him in a closet somewhere. 
<laughs> he's drooling somewhere. Um, anyway, Dave gets up and he's like, somehow I knew that would happen. I have vague recollections of someone telling me my mind had become tamper proof, but who, how? Yes, people. <laughs> well, now I've got to go. I've got to get help Randy and got to go save my friends. So he starts shaking Randy, who um, is in the middle of a dream. And now we're looking at Randy's dream. And he's got his like doctor's um, coat on. Who's my next patient? Oh, what's this door doing here? It's a chapel. He goes inside and it's a little chapel and there's a um, like a funeral casket at the back. And what's going on? Who's inside here? I can't stop myself. Opens it up and it's my antibody dead. I'd wonder what happened to it. It's evaporating. It's like this evaporation that happened to the antibody that uh, he had lost a couple of issues ago. It's gone. A part of me. What will happen? <laughs> and then he's got Randy. Randy. Dave. Dave is standing at the door. And then he's coming out of it. And Randy. Dave is shouting at him and he's uh, kind of half in his dream and then it, it, like awake and uh, it's uh, finally woken him up and uh, Dave's there and is, has, yeah, shaken him out of his coma that they induced him in, in, the, in the clinic for his treatment. He's like, they had you drugged, probably playing mind games on you. I'm going to get you all out of here. Took me a while to get the guts to do it. I'm here now. Nothing's Randy's like, uh, try standing up and immediately falls to the ground. And, uh, Dave's like, Oh, you've probably been lying in bed for a couple without exercise for a couple months. Your muscles will probably win. Don't worry. I'll carry you. I'll carry everybody out of here. If I have to. All right. <laughs> this is finally now we're rolling. The, yeah. Here's the, the, like, um, yeah, the, the, the moment we've been waiting for. It's a little different than me, maybe we expected, but Dave is carrying Randy, who's like a baby, um, past a nurse's station, maybe. And he's asking him, do you know where the others are? No idea. And uh, some uh, nurse or orderly is like, hey, you can't do that or go there. And he's just exercise therapy. He just keeps walking. And then he it's, uh, starts running into some other paranormals. There's a guy in a t-shirt that says paranormals are people too. Looks like Captain America. Steve Rogers. Snuck in probably. And uh, Dave is like, well, there's no point in trying to sneak around. <laughs> Not when you're like an eight foot tall, 500 pound crazy person. And uh, someone's like, David Landers? my gosh, I haven't seen you in months. And it's like, I've been away, Sally. This is Sally from the volleyball game a couple of issues ago. They were real. They were real. And apparently they were there even before they left since she recognizes Dave, um, which I don't remember us visiting, but um, okay, great. So she's um, friendly to him, you know, and he's just, hey, do you know where the other uh, members of my group are? It's like, uh, maybe try the cafeteria. Oh, thanks. 
And as he's walking through sort of a common area, you start seeing some more security and orderlies coming towards him. And he says, don't worry, as long as they're not, um, as we don't act too threatening, they can't, don't want to come off like uh, stormtroopers, right? Good idea. Okay. Um, so the they security guards are like, uh, aren't you supposed to be in intensive care? No, I feel fine. I just, is there a problem with taking a walk? And uh, um, no, um, Mr. Voigt wants to see you in his office. Uh, tell him we don't have time. And uh, they come across the cafeteria and the other four members of the group are there. Hey, um, everyone's happy to see him. Dave, but uh, doctor said uh, they, you're still getting treatment. Um, they're, uh, let's see. Lada, hey, how you doing? Where's Stephanie? She had a nervous breakdown. And he tells them to go pack your things because we're getting out of the nut house. And this is where their uh, conditioning really pays off because they're all like, what? No way. Uh, who, why would you want to do a stupid thing like that again, you big ape? Food may, be not, may not be great here, but there's plenty of it. Your trailer doesn't have a gym or a sauna. They must have been brainwashed. Well, you know, those are actually, you know, rational things that people would be concerned about. So true. <laughs> that's pretty light on the brainwashing that they had to tell them that they had a miserable time living in a tiny trailer with seven people. Anyway, Dave's like, yeah, it looks like we're going to have to haul them out of here against their will. Next page. Nuts. I'm not going to fight you. You guys want to stay here and Randy and I are leaving. Um. He starts picking Randy up and walking away, and uh, they're they're like like Scuzz is making the little crazy uh, head in motion, and uh, Randy's you know, and Dave start heading for the exit, and you know they they it's reasonable to think why why fight everyone yeah, so just then something really unexpected happens. Against all odds, I ran out of time again. <laughs> um, Semple is there. Wait, wait. And she's like, no one wants trouble, boys. I'll take you to see Stephanie if you promise to talk to me before doing anything rash. Okay. So they, they're at uh, Steffi's uh, hospital bed. And she really did suffer severe emotional trauma, boys. She's needed... She needs professional care. He's like, ah, what they do to you? And then we did nothing, Dave. Nothing but try to save her. Doctor Semple's voice sounds different all of a sudden. Voight, what? What happened to Doctor Semple? Uh, never mind. You two are being most disruptive. I cannot permit it. Interesting. What did happen to Doctor Semple? <laughs> Well, I assume this, like the simple that we, who who took them into this room, it was Voight all along. Oh. But I have a, like another theory later. But, um, Dave's mad as heck and he's not going to take it anymore. Brainwashing our friends, turning stuff into a vegetable. You got a lot to answer for, Voighty. <laughs> Voighty. <laughs> So he's uh, rearing back and uh, to throw a, a punch, and that punch just ends at Voight's hand. You will stop this childish display of anger. 
this is my institution. And he starts like uh, going over the top on Dave. His grip, I can't. Voight literally snaps uh, Dave's wrist by like overpowering him. Do I make myself clear, Mr. Landers? Ah! What the heck? <laughs> it's a big snap with the wrist. And uh, he's like, I don't mean to hurt you, but we're, the clinic is here to help paranormals. I will show you. And then Steffi hadn't been glittering since her brain damage, but Boyd just sort of sucks this glitter off of her with like a gesture. And then now he's glittering and he's holding uh, Dave's hand and he's like, here, I'll mend your broken wrist. What the heck? He's kind of doing the abusive husband thing, like <laughs> smacks the wife and then tries to give her some You know, I've always something. loved you, Landers. Yeah. Uh, you stole her power. You're a paranormal too, says Randy. Obviously, and a most unusual one at that. All right, everybody, get ready for the secret of the universe. Um, well, it's a little wordy. Maybe I'll just skip ahead to the no. So he's perhaps I'll tell you boys a little story so you can better understand what I'm coming from. A year ago, I was a psychology professor at a state university, unmarried, tenured, not terribly ambitious. Strikes a little close to home for you. Right? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm married. I'm. I used to be ambitious. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not tenured. I can tell you that. My passion yeah. for teaching psychology had all but disappeared. Now I live for mountain climbing. So he goes off mountain climbing, and last year I'm up in the Rockies, and the world was suddenly blotted out in a flash of white. What seemed like an eternity, and you, yeah, they de all the colors gone, and you just see a close up of his face. It seemed like an eternity. My mind was filled with visions and voices, suddenly knew everything there was to know about life. I knew the meaning of everything. Ooh, this is Ooh. big news. But alas, when the light faded, this is a white event, right? Um, so did my cosmic consciousness. It was all I could do to recall my place in the scheme of things. So then we see him arriving at the clinic, which is a year ago called the Sawyer Sanitarium. I traveled to this private hospital where a former student of mine, Charn, was employed. Charn had also become paranormal in the wake of the white event. And together, using our new talents, we took over the hospital and became the clinic leaders. Randy's like, you're saying the white event created paranormals? Of course. Is it not obvious? Landers is like, Voight's nuts. <laughs> what other exp explanation do you have, Dave? Come on. Randy continues. What? Well, then what is the white event? Why did we become paranormals? What do you hope to accomplish here? Unfortunately, I cannot recall what the white event is, but I can tell you that we are the future of the human race the next evolutionary stage. It is our destiny as paranormals to inherit the earth. It's gone full Magneto. It's, uh, remember, paranormals are not mutants. They were no. very clear about that. And I, Philip Nolan Voigt, shall lead, huh? Right then, Dave's fist is coming flying at him again. 
Um, Voity baby, the only thing you're going to be leading is the local chapter of Buttheads Anonymous. <laughs> That's such a weak teardown. He, he's, he's no hack barth when it comes like, to the put downs. Yeah, well, uh, you smell. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Dave and uh, Voight are wrestling around for a bit. And um, Voight's not that impressed. He's like, I am your superior. I am the ultimate paranormal. And he throws Dave off of him upwards. And he goes through the roof. And you see him, I don't know, 100 feet in the air. Yeah. He can't have thrown me like that. Uh, Randy's like, what did you do to him? Why Is this how you're going to lead us with brainwashing? Well, he really bites. And um, suddenly, Randy's antibody appears. What? Your energy form does not frighten me, O'Brien. And here's why. Suddenly behind Voight, there's an even bigger antibody. And it's all red. And this is basically the cover, but um, it cracks me up that in the um, inner pages, the antibody is like Randy's antibody, like just unclothed. On the cover, he's wearing a suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess maybe um, you couldn't put naked Voight's antibody on the cover. It's pretty suggestive, yeah. So um, Voight's... Um, Oh, it's got some kind of antibody too, four times the size of mine. And then Boyd can respond. My power overshadows yours, O'Brien, yours, Landers, everyone's. I am the overshadow. All right, then. Finally got a name for a, a superhero name. Well, supervillain name. So, um, Voight's shadow has grabbed one of Randy's and is the next page rips it in half. Randy's pretty taken aback. He ripped him in two. How am I supposed to fight a guy who can do that? But if I don't, the clinic is a lost cause and we'll all be like zombies. What can I do? What can I do? And yes, as the cover predicted, Five antibodies pour out of Randy, and uh, Void is taken aback at that. I had the power of four antibodies, and he he comes up with five antibodies. How could he do this to me? Randy's more confused than anyone. Where did they all come from? Have they all been in me all along, or are there more growing all the time? Anyway, Void starts thinking to himself, I'm not sure I can handle this. I may have to kill O'Brien to stop them. What a waste. But just then, Dave comes back. I don't know how long he's been uh, up in the air, but... <laughs> I imagine like this is his landing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's lucky he, he just lands in one piece. He's like, I don't know if I can do that again, but I've got to risk it. For Steffi's sake. And he starts coming towards Voight. The um, Voight antibodies has to brush off these Randy antibodies, then grabs Voight himself. Uh, Dave, who didn't see this thing come out of Voight, is like, what the heck is that thing? And it's sticking Voight inside it for, for protection. <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh, 
yeah, this antibody puts Voight in, inside him, and then Dave hits it with all his power. Come out of there, you stinking loony. Again. Yeah, this is pretty wild, because, I mean, like, his antibody is, like, a big red. It's like, like the Hulk in terms of size. Yeah. It's like his hand grabs his whole torso, like, tips him and, like, stuffs him into his chest with his two little legs hanging out, flapping, and then, poof, <laughs> Landers okay. just blows up the whole thing. Poof, he blows up, yeah. I was thinking Major Force, if you remember that, that character from the 90s. The look is, yeah. That sort of glowy look. And there they are, Dave and Randy and a bunch of antibodies. Randy antibodies. What happened? Where, where's Void? And that big antibody. It looked like it exploded with Void inside it. Um, hey, what's with all your extra antibodies? I don't know. You think Void's dead? I'll send the antibodies to look around for it, but I got a feeling Void is history. And as Randy says, to close us out, if that's the case, then we've won. We've made the clinic safe for paranormals. Next, under new management. Wow. There we have it. Yeah, the clinic is now... Under, under the control, <laughs> under new management, yeah. Either DP7 itself or hopefully friends of theirs, um, or at least someone who's not mind controlling them with megalomaniac dreams of his own uh, taking over the world or something. Interesting. Yeah, it was a little bit of a confusing end there, you know, where you've got this powerful antibody that like reverses and stuffs Voight in it. And then, you know, basically poofs, right? It kind of explodes. And when it gets punched into a, a pile of nothing, so then like, is he really gone? Like, what happened there? What was it trying to do? I don't know. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's hard to say compared to like Randy's antibodies, which come out of him and then go back into him, but they're not big enough that he can go into them, I guess. Right. So we, we've sort of, it's like, does that, can it not do that? Did he think it could? And, but like trying to do it makes something, well, you know, reverse itself. I don't know. Yeah. Um, just sort of disappearing is always unsatisfying because in a comic book, that's <laughs> the least uh, final conclusion you can come up with. If you don't see a body. Um, but yeah, the um, the big final fight. Pretty good. Yeah. I was, Dave had to get like extra psychic protection to kind of get through the first level with the uh, churn and uh, spec. But once he could, even though the guy like could overpower him physically, still like the physical power was necessary to be, to deliver a beat down. Um, and then I don't know, it's kind of like Randy's power being the most kind of off the wall it's good that that kind of comes factors in at the end is like, you know, I, it's going to produce a random thing that like you didn't expect. Oh, you know, my antibody can't fight them. 
Well, I'll just produce five antibodies then. How, how are you going to fight that? It's good. Mm -hmm. I guess I kind of, there was like, I don't know, for like superhero fights, I always kind of think of the X-Men first movie where it's like in the sort of final confrontation with Magneto, it seemed like everyone's power and personality sort of had a specific role to play in mm -hmm. that um, resolution. So it's not quite like that, where like everyone's in DP7, like plays into the final conflict here. Like right. Charlie, Most of the team's still brainwashed. And... Yeah. Charlie keeps, holds him down, Scuzz throws, you know, acid at him, and then the antibody, and, you know, some like whatever. But, you know, it's maybe not the kind of book we're going to get anyway. So, yeah. And, and it's, I guess still unclear like is he one power at a time or could he have kind of taken on more than one and so the the more of the dp7 were there the more at risk they were perhaps I don't know. yeah it's a good it could if he could only yeah master one power at a time or so like having multiple people around or could he do them all at the same time in which case yeah he becomes more dangerous the more of them that are there or like even question. like a juiced up version of Lenore's power could have just ended it right there. That's right. Yeah. Or even a, a boosted version down. of Charlie's power could end it right there too. So you're all stuck. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, let's see. So my theory, the question about Semple I was saying earlier is, so uh, Voight had a power to fake you out and make you think he was simple. But was he just doing it that one time to kind of get them alone? Or is there even a simple at all? You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe that's like a persona he puts on to be like the non-threatening uh, therapist. So we may find out if we ever see simple again. <laughs> yeah. If... Uh, if she shows up next next issue, it's probably not Voight in disguise, just biding his time. But don't know. I do like the idea that Simple is Voight, though. So we'll keep an eye on her in the future. Um, I liked explanation of the White event and someone specifically trying to tie it all together, or at least begin it, because it's now been like a year. <laughs> yeah, it really like. Most of the books haven't really uh, come back to it at all. Yeah, I mean, comic books usually give you a pretty quick, you know, answer of like, oh, this is what caused that, you know, especially as far as like powers and you know, cosmic shenanigans goes. So no one's like, you know, waiting around forever for the answer. Some it kind of reminded me, um, some. Like some of that we got from maybe like interviews or like previews from Marvel Age or something or you know, talking to the creators. And so no one in the new universe has the same point of view like, oh, this is the explanation. Oh, this is what's what happened. And it's kind of amusing to me. Um, like image comics later would sometimes do that too, where they'd have like a lot of ideas for their comics but they never actually address. So you'd get read these interviews who were like, oh yeah, these, this team of superheroes is going to do this and that and that. And they never really sort of do that in the books themselves. You just have like a lot of weird fights that you don't make sense. 
and you kind of had to like read all this extra material um, to understand what they were even thinking in the first place. Yeah, I mean, that is very true. I just read uh, a chunk of the beginning, like the first Wildcats, and uh, you can tell like there's some backstory in there, but it like barely comes out. It's just a bunch of fights. Yeah, like yeah. poorly explained, weird uh, space somethings. I don't know. I, yeah, I was so, unimpressed. It's a tradition, I guess, in comics. I don't know. Hmm. Um, what do you think of. Uh, our explanation so far it seems like it adds up i think uh yeah it's a good book and it's been a long time coming Uh, we've had a a number of issues of kind of uh we're trapped in the dream world and dave's out there barely hanging on Uh, so uh, though it was weirdly recappy like it was like the recap was also an important part of the story and kind of explaining how they're brainwashed uh but yeah like the the fight at the end is satisfying uh and so this seems like a big change in the book is coming and and i do this is one of the only books i kind of remember some details of what happens next uh but yeah like hey something really happened in this one not just development not just set it set up like okay void is gone yeah, I like uh yeah, the they are willing to change status quo, you know. Um so the clinic as the good guys now. I mean, it certainly would be um convenient from their point of view to have a base of operations, to have other, you know, paranormals there, um sort of an infrastructure to help paranormals. Maybe what yeah, they would have wanted all along. Um, so yeah, let's see where that goes. Yeah. Um, let me like segue. You want to grade? Yeah. Um, solid B plus for me. I'll keep it at an A minus. I'm, uh, I mean, I like the, the resolution of the storyline, but it doesn't feel like it had a, like the, the plot hit like a, an end without some of the uh, emotional uh, involvement that I, I might expect from some of the characters. Yeah. So, it, it feels a little bit like the first half of a two-parter. Hmm. Okay. Um, I wanted to hit uh, back to universe news question of the month. If the universe, new universe takes place in real time, how come a month does not pass between issues of DP seven? Well, Grunwald take, takes a minute to talk about how he views it. And I think we've addressed it a little before. He kind of, he sees it as um, a year has to pass in the books in, as it does in the real world. But that doesn't mean they can't be, you know, several issues covering a week here and then a, several issues covering later time. And we'll just skip the parts in the middle. So it's not like every month has to be progressed forward. So he has, um, he's like, well, you know, big things happen to the beginning and then at the end, I'll make up for it eventually. And so at the end of the first year of the publication, a year will have indeed passed uh, for the characters, actually by the end of number 13. Oh, so by the time we get to next issue, the end of next issue, we'll have, yeah, a year, full year of having passed. Um, 
film. So, we'll so see. it's like it it was a month or two maybe after the white event when the book started. They were in the clinic in the first place for a few weeks. Then they've been gone for five months. So I'm not honestly sure exactly when, when they're gonna be picking up again. Um or when exactly this uh, issue takes place. So yeah. we don't have any uh, solid dates on it. But. we got some annuals to get through, so it might be a minute. Oh, yeah, we'll get to it when we can. Um, let's see. They do have a letters page as well, though. Oh, yeah. I've been looking forward to this one. <laughs> you, uh... So, yeah, so... Uh... I said, uh, two things on a lot of our readers' minds during our first barrage of adventures. When are they going to get costumes and what are their superhero names going to be? So there's a list of one, two, three, five different people who had submitted uh, superhero names for all of the characters. I like, this isn't the only time I've seen it, that like people completely miss the point of a book. Like... (laughs) Oh, your your new uh, book, the I'm not a superhero, I'm a realistic person with powers uh, team. So when are they going to get costumes and code names? Never. (laughs) When are you going to turn it into the same books you're already publishing? (laughs) I mean, these are pretty good. Uh, Like the first one is Charlie Stick and Slide, Jeff Blur, which he already is. Scuzz Acid, Lenore Tranquilizer, Stephanie Supercharger, <laughs> Randy Shadow Demon. It's terrible. <laughs> and then David Lander's Bigfoot. I think there already is a Bigfoot. Well, there was one in Kicker's Inc. last week, but. That's true, yeah. Should What's they, the guy uh... in Alpha Flight? Trying to remember what that it's like Yeti or something. But... Yeah, Sasquatch. Sasquatch. There was two of them, I think. So, well, let's see. Uh, um, we could take turns. Slider, Quiver, Scuzz, Tranquilizer, Hypercharge, Antibody, Mastodon. That's all pretty. Yeah. So he's he's hit on some of the already ones. Uh, Displacer, Vibratron. Disintegrator. I'm sensing a pattern here. Neutralizer or paralyzer. Hypercharge. Shadow Wraith. Bouncer. Bouncer doesn't quite fit with the rest of them, but it doesn't have an er at the end. Out, you two pixies go through the door out the window. Um, <laughs> let's see. Slipstick. Blur. Scuzz or acid. Mask or Miss Mystery. Jeez. Energizer, Eclipse, Mammoth, or Viking? Viking? I don't know. Viking? I mean, they're in Wisconsin. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but but I think we're, we're both happiest with this last team. Take it away. Saved, they saved and we saved the best for last. Charlie Beck as Lube. <laughs> Jeff, Mixmaster. Dennis File Boy, Lenore Fossil, <laughs> can't help but be a little insulting. Uh, Stephanie's Glow Worm, Randy is Eben Ghost, and David Landers as The Harry. 
or Ape Man. Um, if you combine Charlie Beck as Lube as and Jeffrey Walters as Vibretron, we got a different comic book going on here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not sure. Uh, everyone <laughs> thinks through all the implications of their suggestions. <laughs> uh, um, let's see. Lube is the worst. Come on, lube. lube come on. Um, <laughs> let's see. We got uh, people talking about Lenore, and then we do have someone asking if DP Seven will meet Cyforce. The answer: a member of Cyforce is slated to meet some of the DPs in Cyforce number fourteen. Ooh. Hmm. No current plans for a reunion with the Kickers. <laughs> uh, um, I'm I'm holding out some slim hope that they'll show up again, but I doubt it. Uh, you uh, and they give a preview of what's coming up in the first DP annual, which is the circumstances in which the DPs first realized they were paranormal. Um, yeah, so presumably that'll fill in. Uh, since we know we saw David and Randy kind of get their powers, but uh, Bile Boy, Fossil, and Mixmaster, we haven't seen <laughs> like what happened when they first got their powers yet. The Norpoli just fell asleep. And... <laughs> that old fossil. Um, people, uh, you know, guessed what Scuzz's or Randy's powers would change or increase, and they say that. Um, well, someone uh, did correctly anticipate what Scuzz was going to um, develop, but um, nobody had guessed what was going to happen with antibody. So that's a very, uh, like I said, um, untraditional power. And um, yeah, I'm sure it kept keeps us all on our edge. We don't really know what Gruenwald's going to pull out of his hat next with it. Yeah, it's probably the most unique of the seven, I suppose. So. I mean, it's, I'm not sure I've got like a good grip on it either, but you know, it's as one of the more unusual ideas in the new universe. I'm, it's funny to me that like that wasn't something that was picked up in, in sort of some of the revitalize, uh, where they tried taking new universe characters into the main Marvel universe. like Yeah, that would have been a good one, but they seem to focus mostly on Starbrand or a reimagining of it. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah. Well, let's see. That's about it for this week's episode. Next time, we'll be looking at... Codename Spitfire number 13. Uh Jenny Swenson's first solo mission for the CIA might just be her last, possibly because the book's been canceled. Uh, for her top secret rescue assignment in the tropics is about to be blown apart by the super secret experiments from a nearby hidden base, Cyborg Soldiers. All right. All right. <laughs> Are we losing the uh, uh, realist realism here a little bit? Uh, if I only had a heart. It's written by Sandy Plunkett, penciled by David Hoover, inked by Tony DeZuniga, the inker of the new universe next to Vince Scaletta. <laughs> or the short version, number 13, Jenny goes into action alone. Hmm. 
Blunkett mm-hmm. uh, had written a night mask or two. He did some of those cover uh, art that was pretty nice. Yeah, okay. Maybe he'll do an awesome uh, cyborg soldier for us. Here's open. And Starbrand is going to be taking another break on its bi-monthly schedule. And we'll return next month with number 10. But before that, in a couple of weeks, we'll be be covering the annuals, starting with Starbrand annual number one. So next time, Codename Spitfire number 13, and the week after Starbrand annual number one is our plan. Right. So if you're feeling some Starbrand withdrawals, you don't have to wait too long. All right. Yeah, it was, I think it came out the same week as these two issues did today, but in, you don't want a 30 hour long podcast. We had to make some cuts somewhere. Our families would never forgive us. Well, yours. Mine's like, is he out of the way again? Finally. (laughs) So until next time, you can again find us at our website, tickersinc.com. You can email us, particularly if you have New Universe uh, podcast slogan suggestions at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. This has been the voice of the new universe, and we'll see you back at the spinner rack. Don't throw out the duck.